Scaling and scrapping her way into the Rumble Pack podcast this week is a member of the gaming monarchy who started off way back in 1996 on the PlayStation 1, Sega Saturn, and PC to set a bold new standard for female leads in video games. From the luxury lifestyle of Croft Manor to underwater ruins filled with piranhas, this star of the silver screen leaves no stone unturned in hunting and preserving treasures. Who else could we be speaking of than the Tomb Raider herself, Lara Croft? In 2013, the Tomb Raider series was rebooted by Crystal Dynamics to give us a bit of an origin story about gaming's first lady. Only this time, the objectifying sex appeal was left aside and instead we were treated to a beautifully human angle on this tough-as-nails adventurer. Instead of graceful flipping and jewel-wielded pistols, we were given a brutal struggle that sees a young woman fight for her life at every step. But it isn't just 2013's Tomb Raider we're looking at. Today, we're speaking about Lara's growth throughout the entire rebooted trilogy, including 2015's Rise of the Tomb Raider and 2018's Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So join us as we explore and uncover the significance of Lara Croft's growth into the fearless Tomb Raider we all know and love. Jimbo, grab that climbing axe. It's time to go raiding. Yeah, nah, yeah, nah, yeah. Spoilers ahead. Hello, welcome back to the Rumble Pack Podcast, episode 23, I believe. Yes. I'm here with Luke once again. Hello, Luke. Hello, Will, once again. How are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm pretty well. Pretty well. Another lovely, another lovely uh, session between you and I looking at each other on the screen, mm. reaching out, trying to hug. Trying to, but not quite yeah. reaching. Isn't it uh, yeah. amazing when we started doing these sort of lockdown recordings, we're like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's quite easy. It's, uh, you know, it's a pretty good alternative and then it's just after about two months, you know, uh, it's fair to say we would rather be in person. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not difficult. It's just wearing wearing a bit thin, not only because it's, uh, you know, when we're not in person, we're not, uh, I guess, working off each other's emotion mm. right there and there, I suppose, but it's also, you know, we are best mates and we haven't seen each other in months either, so there's that too, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it is starting to wear thin, but luckily, at least we get to do it at all. At least we're doing it at all. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, not long now until we're doing it in person again. I hope, but we don't have to stay negative because we're here to talk about not just one game, not just two games, four games, three games. Oh damn it! Oh. You always mess <laughs> up with the numbers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit Tomb broken. Raider, the Tomb Raider trilogy. Uh, which I just found out from you and online uh, like yesterday that it's called the Survivor Timeline or something. Yeah, and I don't know if that's yeah, and yeah. I don't know if that's a formal uh, title for it or if that's just sort of what the fan base has come up with. But that's sort of what it's been known as uh, because it's we see a much younger Lara in this trilogy, which started in 2013, uh, and she's going on her very first adventures. So it's a bit basically a reboot of the uh, hero we love. And it sort of, yeah, it turns her into an an aspiring archaeologist um, and we see her evolve into this preserving, uh, uh, history-preserving, conspiracy-killing gunslinger we all know and love. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It it is called Survivor, the Survivor Timeline officially, I think, (laughs) because the... I was looking at Wikipedia and stuff, and it, it it does say it. 
And then I, from memory, even like on Steam back in the day, oh yeah, a couple of years ago, whenever the last one came out, and I think sometimes if it goes on sale on the consoles as well, it does come up as the Survivor trilogy as like a pack. So mm. I think that is the the actual name for it. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, it makes sense as well because, like I said, she's actually uh, everything she does is a struggle to survive in this, as we'll learn throughout the episode. It's not a. Mm-hmm. It's not just a uh, the dual wielding, uh, yeah, gunslinger that we know. She's actually yep. a young girl who is being thrown in the deep end of every situation, and yeah. it's brutal as hell. It's so it edgy, and it's uh, I, I, I don't know. It's just edgier than any any previous iteration of of Tomb Raider, and it's you you'd remember as well from I think even when we were back in the Game Informer days when we were following those features and remember all the. Mm-hmm all these promotional uh, videos that were coming out we've spoken about before on the podcast, but just how brutal some of those death scenes are and oh, like yeah. your death animations Intense. and all that sort of thing. Oh. Good on Game Informer for coming through on the promotional material for us at our younger days. Oh, yeah. You can that always was, rely that, on Game Informer. That were the best days because I used to get a free copy from a, a good mate of mine because he's for some reason got two copies delivered to him, one for free every week, uh, every uh, month. And when I'd rock into work and you'd just... Give me that uh, that uh, issue that's uh, and covered in its plastic still. Oh, I mm-hmm. just loved it. It was so exciting. Well, I I bought uh, a level three membership at EB Games back in the day, which would automatically give you they'll give they were giving out like a twelve month subscription to Game Informer with the level three EB card. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I remember for at least one year I would get it every single month, and uh, it's actually it was an awesome magazine. I do they still do it? Or is yeah, it just still, an online thing now? No, they still do it. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we, we've mentioned them a few times and we're in no way officially endorsing them. <laughs> but, the, uh, but even as far as uh, critically speaking on, on, their, <laughs> on their website and everything, they're actually a really good uh, so, uh, news source, I find, and sort of yeah. good features and reviews. Yeah, they are. Hey, look, we're happy to be part of the Game Informer family if they are listening, to be honest. Hey, hit us up, guys. <laughs> so, to... To start off, I just want to say that the Tomb Raider trilogy is sort of going to be Luke's domain today. I've never played through all any of the games fully. Uh, I've only played a fair few hours of the first game way back on uh, on PC. I've got it on Steam and I remember playing it for probably at least four hours. Uh, and the, yeah, the main thing I remember honestly is <laughs> in the first probably hour, roll, sliding down a river and Lara getting a self caught on a big spike and it goes straight through her chin. Yeah. It, it, it's <laughs> awful. That's like that's my main memory from all of these games. <laughs> it actually as you said that my my left leg just kicked up in sort of trying to take my attention away from thinking about that scene. It just It's actually ugh. like horrific. It's horrific. It's yeah. so bad. Like it just goes straight through her head basically. It's and, and you can hear her like gasping for air instantly. It's so bad. I can't believe how brutal some of this game is and I'm sure and I'm sure you'll speak of some of it. It would only get worse as well. Yeah, and it's it's more the I don't know, it's more the struggle that we see throughout the game as well that makes it so like so impactful in these sort of death animations because we're seeing Lara grow from this scared young woman uh, that she starts with and as through, as the games progress, she becomes more this fearless vigilante we know. But it's a very gradual process. So in these early stages, and that death animation being in the first game, 
Mm. We're already used to Lara just, and even from the opening sequence, which I'll touch on uh, shortly. The <laughs> that opening game, she's just terrified the whole way through, and you just you just feel every bit of her fear uh, and incompetence because she's not a she's not a trained fighter by any means. She, she's just you know hurling all this uh, all this rock climbing equipment everywhere she goes just to try to uh, survive a bit longer and. Yeah, and, and obviously, it's like an action movie, really. So she's it's all uh, mm. last last gasps, um, you know, uh, efforts to save her life from you know hurling over the side of a cliff and all this sort of stuff. Like it's really intense and high octane. Uh, but yep. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've just never feared death quite like this in a game <laughs> <laughs> because I feel you feel bad I, for it. You feel so bad for the situation. Oh, yeah. In. Yeah, you, you you do feel bad. Even the small man I've played, I remember feeling bad. In that moment, because I kept dying, it was like I couldn't, I couldn't steer her down the river. To, I, was, I had to go like just further to the right, but I just couldn't nail it. So over and over, just kept getting herself spiked in the face. So I was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I do love uh, from what I've seen and what I've played. Like I, I do really enjoy the portrayal of of uh, Lara, at least in the first game. I'm sure in the second, and third game, it's even better. Uh, she, she seems like a really interesting character and. Uh, I'd like to talk about it later on more, but she seems like a a sort of uh, a good representation for women leading mm. uh, leading uh, characters in games that have sort of come more to the forefront in the last ten years as well. Mm. I think she's uh, well. She's certainly like a uh, as we said in the intro. She's almost like a member of the gaming monarchy. I don't know. If, I don't know if I'd mm. say she's necessarily the queen, but she's probably the most well known in mainstream culture as well. Uh, and I, I guess that a lot of that was because in the past she was all about the big lips and big boobs in a really sort of objectifying way that was, you know, and I, I actually read during the week that, and I can't recall his name, but the original developer or writer of the first um, uh, Lara Cro- Tomb Raider that came out in 1996 on the PlayStation 1, uh, Sega Saturn and uh, PC, I believe. Yeah. He actually yep. said that, I think when he gave up a bit of the creative rights to the pro- to the marketing of the game, he was really disappointed that they turned him turned her into a in, in, like use sex appeal to get attention uh, for yeah, okay. it. So it's it's uh, honestly nice to know that the writer didn't actually intend for it to be come across that way. Uh, and of course, mm. um, you know, marketers and everything just literally just turn everything into what's going to be the biggest cash cow. Uh, yeah, but. In this trilogy, it was it was so refreshing just to see her courage and resilience being the main focus of her character rather than her physical attributes. She's still made to look, you know, stunningly beautiful, but in a class more classical sense, not this big fake, uh, you know, woman sort of way. So it was, um, yeah, I don't know. It was she's really like refre- rugged, a bit rugged mm. as well, and she's mm. like, she looks uh, scarred and dirty. Her yeah, cl- clothes are a bit torn and she's mm. a bit battered and bruised. It's uh, yeah, she's mm. not just uh perfect all the time, which is good. Yeah, exactly. And and speaking, yeah, and and speaking of that, it's not and speaking of the death uh, scenes and everything and how much we want to avoid death in this game. It's not because it's a hindrance of your progress. It's actually because how visual they are uh, and how mm. much pain Lara goes through each time. So, yeah, that being said, in the past, they probably tried to make her look like a really elegant and graceful uh, gunslinger, really cool 
you know, sexy, edgy, all that sort of thing. Oh, sorry, not not edgy. Whereas now they've gone for uh, well, technically ed- edgy, te- based on the uh, polygons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bloody hell! Um, yeah, those all, <laughs> almost like a tri- walking around like a triangle. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the, I guess the fact that they don't try to actually preserve her character in that sort of uh, untouchable sense is really, really refreshing. And we've we've spoken probably in the in the last. Oh, actually, the Last of Us episode was what actually a few months ago now, which has gone quick. But mm. I, I guess there is a yeah. It's it's sort of becoming clear now how many games we play that are actually quite uh, graphically and emotionally heavy in that in that sense of how brutal some deaths are and all that sort of thing. So it's, yeah, uh, well, you wouldn't know because we're such lovely boys. We are, and we uh, <laughs> we're so tough as well. We you know we we don't let any of our yeah. Fear get in the way because we don't have fear. Is the point? <laughs> uh, but so, just like uh, on a little bit of Tomb Raider history, do you know? I'm not sure if you know do, if the who who developed Tomb Raider from the beginning. Like, has it always been in the same sort of company, or do you know that? I did. I know don't. That. That's what I'm asking. And I recall, and I'll, I'll just I'll quickly find out because. It is Crystal Dynamics who are currently making the game, and I know that they stuck around for uh, quite a while with them. But and they're um, a Square Enix uh, studio, correct? Uh, Idos Interactive, which is works very closely with Square Enix now, so I'm not sure where they were back then. But uh, Core Design developed the games, and I think that was taken away from Core Design when they first rebooted the series in about 2004. Because I actually, my first experience with the series was in, uh, not in 2003, but it was the 2003 Tomb Tomb Raider game. I think it was called Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Angel of Darkness. And that was a really cool, conspiracy-dense game uh, set in Paris Mm -hmm. and all this. But it was the clunkiest game ever. I I persisted because I just wanted to find out, like uncover this story. It felt like a bit Da Vinci Code style. And yeah. I've since found out, especially trolling the internet, that I was only one of millions who struggled to get anywhere with this game. It was clunky. <laughs> the, the flipping, which I'd actually like to talk about later because this game has some serious jumping uh, technology that uh, mm. almost <laughs> doesn't make sense when you, you, know, <laughs> you know when a character suddenly can jump three metres standing from a standing start and then move midair. It sort of what, breaks the illusion. you can't do that? <laughs> in this game it's four directions in Angel of Darkness it was four directions and it was like the exact distance every time so you had to get the exact so if you're side flipping you had to be in the exact <laughs> right spot and I missed it I stuffed yeah, it up okay. every time and <laughs> then you'd get then you'd be sent back to the shadow realm two hours before where you were up to uh-huh. <laughs> good lord I'd like to see uh, that actually <laughs> yeah well, when I've when I moved into this new place in the next couple of weeks I'm setting my PlayStation 2 back up and I'm going to make you sit there and play through the whole thing in one night. Have you got it still? Got that game? Yeah, I've got all my PlayStation 2 games. Oh, sick. Yeah, we'll have a look. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so history-wise as well, there was quite a few consoles it came out on. Like, uh, yeah. This game is, this game, like this series has appeared on well, perhaps more yeah, consoles series. than ever. Series, yep. yeah. It's got ton- there's tons of consoles. Uh, that it's been on, but not just consoles, just literally just devices. Mm, uh, and yeah, we, true. we've got a list of them here. 
let me read through it in alphabetical order. Uh, so I come out on Android phones. I think there's been mobile. The, the Tomb Raider mobile games are sort of more just like um, run the temple run kind of style games. Yeah, you know, oh, like yeah. the mm. the game where there's like three paths and you got to dodge stuff. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it came out in the arcades, which I'm not aware what that have been, but I'd like to know. Yeah, probably Time Crisis yeah. style. I feel. Yeah, pr- probably. Uh, in on the Dreamcast, Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance Tomb Raiders. They must have been primitive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got the GameCube. Ooh, we like the GameCube. iOS, Linux, or Linux, uh, Mac OS. So I'm guessing that's just ports of the PC games mm. of the more normal, the more recent games Windows uh, we got the MS DOS I'm not sure what <laughs> uh, the MS DOS game Tomb Raider would have been that must have been like two dots in a in a boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey I played some games on the MS DOS um, back in the day and really? some were okay nice cartoon yeah, okay wow three, three pixel look cartoons look that MS DOS heritage that's in you. Wow. <laughs> Got the N gauge and the N gauge 2.0. They're handheld devices, I'm I'm believe. Uh from way back. Uh Nintendo DS. Ooh. PlayStation PlayStation 2, 3, and 4. Uh got the PSP. Love the PSP. Mm. Wonder what that would have been. Sega Saturn Stadia. Oh yeah. Uh the Nintendo Wii. Uh, and the Xbox range through 360, Xbox One. Mm. Plenty of consoles has been on. Yeah, well. yeah, only missing the current gen. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, as far as generations, it's probably been on. That might have been every single generation, really, except uh, maybe the 30, the 16-bit uh, era, like the Super Nintendo and stuff might not have been in that. But, yeah. Pretty much yeah, everything started, else. started in 96, so it would have just missed that. Yeah. Including the Atari. But then it was in the arcade, but, uh, so like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Anyway, that's cool. Hmm. Yeah, so she's been around for a fair while. And um, and everyone, and from her success in the movies, oh, actually, not success, uh, <laughs> but from her presence in movie, in film history, um, a lot of mainstream people know she's as well. So that was Angelina Jolie, is that correct? Yes, in Tomb Raider and Tomb Raider Cradle of Life. They were mid, mid-2000s. mid But there was yeah. a recent movie that came out in maybe two there years was. ago that was based mm-hmm. on the, this 2013 game reboot. So, which have, I you, seen. have you seen that? No. no it, have I, you seen I, the Angelina Jolie ones? Yeah, I loved them as a kid. Are they good? Yeah, I don't know. I've not seen those. So. They wouldn't be good as an adult. I just, I just thought they were cool. <laughs> I, I know. I've... I, I've thought about watching them again. I thought, no, nah, my my taste has infinitely evolved for the better. Well, to, I mean, to be fair, you wouldn't think Scooby Doo the movie would be good as an adult, but it is. Is it? Yeah, oh. it is. Yeah. Well, I only so, going on the Scooby Doo ride at Movie World. I only had to watch the whole movie ten times over, waiting for in a single, waiting for a single <laughs> goal of the ride. Yeah. <laughs> Those damn clips that show over and over behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, in this survivor, in this survivor timeline, I'd like to call it survivor series. Will if you'll if you'll have allow me to. Uh, yes, I suppose. 
Well, we love Survivor Series. One of the, the big four. Oh, Survivor Series, of course. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, my bad. Absolutely called Survivor Series. Yeah. Is it bad that my first thought then was Survivor, the, the reality show? Because <laughs> you're thinking about that we final. too much reality TV. No, yeah. Survivor Series, the pay-per-view, absolutely, yes. Yeah, well, so throughout this Survivor <laughs> Series, Lara encounters some really uh, great allies, evil villains and um, goes to some truly breathtaking locations. Uh, it's a pretty much a globe-trotting trilogy, actually, because she uh, goes from... Starts in Japan, goes to Syria, to Siberia, and then in the final game, she goes to uh, Mexico and also Peru. And uh, it's really great. Uh, for me as well, Like uh, I guess everyone knows I'm narrative and sort of history side of things. I learned, like, for example, like 80% of my history knowledge is from the Assassin's Creed series, which I um, <laughs> hold no shame in. I really, I really love that series for that reason. Uh, but this is... Uh, um, I guess uh, uh, uh <laughs> sorry, my brain, my brain completely froze. Uh, yeah, I agree. This is w- it is that. <laughs> <laughs> but the point, my point is, in short, this game is like a guide to what you what to do if you're trapped in the wilderness, being chased by Russians and nomads. Yeah, okay. I was trying to think of the well, best way to say. I was trying to think of the best way to say that. Um, but that, that's straight to the point. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite surprised you couldn't think of uh, a way to say it. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, no, so. <laughs> if uh, I'm ever stuck in the woods uh, with Russians after me, yeah, I'll reflect on what I've played here. If there's any spikes down a river trail, I will try to luge my body to the right a bit more <laughs> uh, to not get spiked. That's the only thing I've got to go off, really. Yeah, I know. It's pretty. And I'm, yeah. Also, I'm guessing in this game, it's like I, I don't remember, but I'm guessing in this series, if you get hurt, you just like wrap a couple of bandages around your thumb, and then you're all good. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, so I'll remember to do that too. Hmm. Very much like Last of Us. You know, you ever yeah. get bitten? You ever get bitten? Don't worry about it. Everyone else would die in ten minutes. You just just put a bandage on it. So it's all good. You know, speaking of that very quickly, I think my least favorite thing in a game uh, is when you, uh, you're hurt or whatever and the I, I can't think of a game example but they're definitely out there and I've played them where the character just like randomly injects their arm or something. It's like mm. they're, they're really hurt so they just go shoot, pop, and they inject their arm and it's all good. It's like, what does that even mean? Where did that even come from? <laughs> I know. I do, I have to say I do like it a bit more. Uh, than simply eating a health pack. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a little uh, bit better. Yeah, can agree with that for sure. Yeah. Because uh, what what about Resident Evil where they pour a just pour a uh, medicine over your arm, <laughs> over your hand even? <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Or you just like eat some. You just eat a leaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eat a handful of worms in Sea of Thieves. Yeah. It's <laughs> always good. Yeah. So, so let's. Without further ado, will let's get stuck into the Survivor series, starting with Tomb Raider, twenty thirteen. Mm, let's. So, just for the setting sake, and I, I won't be going deep. We won't be going deep into the uh, the story of the games as such. More focusing on the characters, as always. Uh, what we'd like to do because the the stories themselves they're all quite similar to each other and. 
I guess the more interesting part of the games is the development of Lara as a character rather than what's going on, I guess, uh, between all these random villains and yeah, because they're very, they're very cliche. It can be very cliche stories, I guess, in terms of, oh, look, here comes a Russian, Russian mil- militia who want to, uh, you know, take over, take over the island and steal the, the treasure to mm. er- eradicate the world of, their opposition, you know, it's it's that style of that style of thing. So, um, but in the in the first game, we're actually treated to the island of Yamatai, which is a mythical island um, east of Japan in the Dragon's Triangle, which is more or less the, uh, I guess, the Asia version of Bermuda Triangle. Which is yeah. very much a, a real thing. I love so that the Dragon's Triangle. Yeah, it sounds way cooler than Bermuda Triangle. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Yamatai is, um, I guess, Lara's. The, the game starts off with Lara uh, talking. She's on a ship called the Endurance, and she's talking to the crew about finding the island of Yamatai. It's very clear that she's uh, that she's at the very almost founding years of her archaeological archaeological exploring. Uh, I, I can't can't recall if this is her first one necessarily, but. It's uh, very early on. So, Yamatai is uh, said to be the kingdom of Queen Himiko uh, many centuries ago, also known as the Sun Queen. And according to legend, Himiko had shamanistic powers that allowed her uh, control over the weather. Uh, so, uh, this is an interesting detail we're told early because as the story kicks off, uh, yeah, Lara and her expedition crew, led by the celebrity archaeologist Dr. James Whitman, um, they're actually shipwrecked on the island due to a tempest mm. uh, that seemed to come and go in an instant. Um, so, which is, it was a very hectic storm. Out of nowhere. Yeah. But Lara, Lara voluntarily said, let's go into the Dragon's Triangle. We'll see if it's there. Because I don't know where the island <laughs> yeah. is. Um, mm. So, of course, the shipwreck's her fault. I mean, why wouldn't you listen to a, uh, you know, a young archaeologist who's way too keen and doesn't care about safety at that stage? I feel like every type of story like that, if it starts with someone going, "Oh, but what if we went through the cloud?" and then it always <laughs> goes, it always goes to shit. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like Comics go on when they're like, "Oh, we got to get to the island, but we got to go through that giant storm," and then it mm. just goes absolutely haywire straight away. It's like, well, what were you expecting? <laughs> I know. Imagine trying to steer a ship through a big storm. Like, oh, if anything comes, we'll just deal with it when it happens. Oh, yeah. there's land. That's like, I mean, we can't talk because we uh, we can't couldn't even control a ship in Sea of Thieves in clear weather. <laughs> yeah, so, that's, that's a great point. <laughs> uh, so as as we discover throughout the game, uh, Yamatai is a really beautiful isle with uh, plenty of forests, uh, temple ruins, and wildlife. So it's really you get a nice uh, feel for, I suppose, the Japanese climate, but also their bit of the history just with with these. Uh, um, fictional ruins, but very inspired. Um, mm-hmm. However, it's uh, the island's actually inhabited exclusively by the Solari Brotherhood, who we uh, sort of come to learn about as we go through. And they're like a almost like a pr- primitive society of scavengers, uh, pirates, and maroon sailors, and even mercenaries who are actually who um, have become marooned on the island over the I think over the previous 30, 30 to forty years. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and they worship Himiko, who's this sun queen, uh, this mythical sun sun queen. 
And uh, but their their true nature actually comes to the fore throughout the story, as I'll sort of touch on a few times. Um, but in in a gameplay sense, uh, Yamatai um, is the map of Yamatai is a relatively uh, linear experience, but it's littered with a lot of campsites that Lara can use as travel points, fast travel points for mm-hmm. crafting, um, which becomes a staple throughout the trilogy. Uh, and she sort of, oh, there's always a point of reflection as you're sitting there crafting. She sits there talking through her feelings and emotions about what's happened to that point in the story, which is uh, yep. which is really nice. Um, there's lots but- of like cliffs and like <clears throat> sort of cliff <clears throat> edges to jump across and and walls to to rock climb and and things there like is, that. Yeah. yeah, it is quite linear. Like the, I remember the feeling of even that very first area. It's like there's just a few paths in the in the woods in the forest there that you mm. can go and look around it's not like oh you can just go for it in the whole island it's very tailored mm. to send you this direction it's really uh quite yeah quite a linear experience which isn't a bad thing i'm not knocking it no um, yeah well and i think you'll agree that for for games that you're not you know that aren't your favorite series especially when you're just trying to you know start starting off with a new series and just to see what it's like a largely linear story or map isn't actually a bad thing because it gets you, you know, lets you experience it through eight to ten hours rather than worrying like, oh, here's a fifty-hour game that I'm going to have mm. to, you know, take take me hours to even learn how to play and master and understand where everything is in the map. So it's a, it is, it is good in that sense, especially like as like I said, it's a bit action movie style and high octane. So a lot of set pieces. So they've got to make sure you, you know, you're going through the right. Uh, uh, predetermined path i suppose yep um, yep same with like gears of war mm. like I, I remember like gears of gears 5 if we if the whole game would have been like those couple of open world sections um i feel like we would have gotten over it yeah. and just gone towards the goal i don't think there's some games that works to just push you along with the story and the big set pieces and uh, i think tomb raider is clearly one of them hmm yeah, for sure. And the map also it does contain some pockets of open areas for exploration, which give a, I guess, a, a break from the relentless surge of the story uh, and allow players to sort of raid some tombs, actually, because tombs are a big, a big part of this uh, series that aren't actually part of the main story, sort of side quests, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, yeah, so in search of treasure. So, and they're really fun uh, changes of pace with the puzzles and bare minimal combat. Which is a uh, really nice. It makes you properly feel like a Tomb Raider rather than a yeah, rather than Nathan Drake, for example, who you know just shoots everyone. Mm. I mean, you'd hope there's tombs, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. But it's, it's quite <laughs> incredible, I guess. You know, if you you think about, or in my experience with earlier games, you call her Tomb Raider because she's, you know, she's going to these. Oh, it's a linear story and generally the area that she's going to it could be looked at seen as a tomb because it's you know it's got treasure and it's underground or something but this actually mm-hmm. has tombs which are you know crypts that are just of say old uh, royalty from years centuries past that where she goes oh look there's another tomb I'll go to and you're like oh yeah it would make sense that she would find more tombs than just one tomb <laughs> every like yeah, five yeah. years to go to uh, so <laughs> it's, it's really good and I think it captures uh, Lara's inquisitive nature and makes you sort of attuned to that um, appropriately. Yeah. Can you reflect uh, on 
just briefly, as someone that's experienced some Uncharted and obviously Tomb Raider, can you reflect on the difference in like character sort of motivation between Lara and Nathan Drake? Is there like because they're sort of both looking for tombs, looking for treasure, that kind of thing, aren't they? They're very mm. similar. They have a very similar base. Yeah. Well, I'm far more. Uh, even with Indiana, like everyone knows Indiana Jones, I'm not sure you can really separate the three too much in terms of their motivations or what their their general stories look like. Because I think at the heart of it, they're all. I think Nathan Nathan Drake's more of a scallywag than uh, yeah than than did I say that Naked right? Drake. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's the Metal yeah. Gear Solid version. Um, yeah. No, the um, <laughs> I, I think they. Yeah, he's more of a like a cowboy style. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I can't recall how educated he is. Whereas you've got, say, Indiana Jones and Lara Croft, who are two uh, educated, very civilized people in general life, who go to look for treasure, and then inevitably end up trying to protect the treasure or conserve, preserve history against some evil organization. You know, Indiana Jones had the Nazis. Uh, Lara Croft has the Trin- what's known as Trinity in this, and um, so I think in I think in that sense their their motivations are always the same, end up being the same where they're actually just trying to stop someone evil from ruining the treasure that they would like to seek. But I'm not sure. I think mm. I could be wrong. But like I said, I don't have as much experience with Nathan Drake, like bare minimal, but. I don't know if he if he looks for the for it for the sake of riches, whereas Lara is doing it purely for uh, for um, archiving and you know understanding of history and all that sort of thing. Yep. So so yeah, it'd be history history versus money. Lara yeah, versus okay. Nathan, I think. Yeah. Um, Just wanted to put you in the hot seat early. Will is that your burning question? Use that, Will. No. Oh, hot. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, yeah, so now to tackle the this protagonist we've been speaking of, and that's Lara Croft. And honestly, she's one of the more... She has one of the more impressive character arcs slash uh, development uh, processes in my experience in gaming. And uh, I'm almost mm-hmm. solo in, in this experience in my... You know, for our friends group or anyone I know because I... Uh, I think I'm the only one who's played and completed all three of anyone I know. So, You're the only person I know of that has done that. Hmm. I don't know anyone else that's done that or even played one. It's just not a game series that's ever ever comes up in discussion for for any of us or friends groups, is it? Yeah, I know. It's which is kind of strange. I know. I know Tom, your brother Tom, did ask me if I, if you should play them. I said yes. I haven't heard anything back yet. Tom, when you hear this, just send me a message. Just let me know. I need, I need well, to know. he's been meaning to play Resident Evil 2 for a few years now, so see how he goes. That's because he's scared, though. That's, that's different. He's terrified of even the thought he, of that game. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, so I've, we've spoken about the promotional lead-up to this game releasing in 2013. Uh, but to say that Lara was made to look vulnerable in them is an understatement. And... Uh, to experience this as a player is actually a whole uh, whole other level again. Uh, so, like, in the opening sequence or scene, 
Um, it's at Lara's behest that the ship heads into the Dragon's Triangle in search of Yamato, like I said. Uh, and so when the ship wrecks, uh, the entire crew uh, is dispersed and it turns out she goes, oh, this must be Yamato. And it's like, whoa, well, well done. You've, you've uh, reached, your, uh, reached your target, but what cost? <laughs> <laughs> Just marooned everyone. Uh, but, and Lara's full of guilt um, at a decision to, that uh, caused this. But straight up, um, in a real tone setter for the trilogy, Lara is actually abducted by a scavenger who just comes out of nowhere, like almost like a mad cannibal looking man. And then mm. she awakens, and you'd recall this, Will, uh, she awake, awakens hanging upside down, uh, fully bound in this dark cave yeah. um, amongst all these other bodies that are all, like dead bodies that are hanging up. And uh, yeah, and it's it's daunting from the get go. Like it's it, mm. it's more brutal than any of the other Tomb Raider games had been to this point. Yep. And no, I do so, recall. Yeah, and so when she works her way out of the trap from you know swinging and smashing the other bodies until the rope eventually breaks, um, she lands and impales herself on a spike, which goes straight through her um, through her hip, <laughs> sort of just below where her kidney would be, and yeah. and then <laughs> and. She's like wailing in pain and like screaming and everything like straight up, and it it just hurts. It really hurts to uh, <laughs> to see it. You can you can just remember, just remember, Lara. You you wanted this. Yeah, she did exactly. You, you asked for this. <laughs> yeah, and and then um, so she ends up struggling her way out of the cave, which includes wading through neck deep water in a really in like this little passageway which is like barely inches above her head and it's mm. like this is all the phobia inducing uh, type of things like it's so like <laughs> oh, it's it's intense and she's like in this tight area and she's you know her, her ragged breaths like echoing up and down and she's like panting and like oh god oh god like all this sort of stuff and it's that's so scary um <laughs> she's she has to dodge like uh, falling boulders solves some puzzles, light puzzles, but even if she actually watched the scavenger die in front of her eyes, um, she's actually scrambling backwards away from him in this sort of a bit of a quick time event. Mm. And as she's like pulling away from him, this boulder just falls straight on him. And if you don't actually dodge in time, the boulder f- falls on you and you literally see Lara's, Lara's head under this rock just sitting there lifeless at a... Mm. Anyway, I won't focus too much on those, <laughs> but just for the sake of setting the scene. And uh, then she narrowly escapes by escaping through a, a crevice. And that's one yep. of those classic, uh, almost like going up a mine shaft with all these rocks and she has to scramble up through it uh, with just, but while it's all falling and closing in behind her. And it's just, it's just so intense. It's so damn intense. <laughs> and, um, it's just, it's just perilous. I don't know. It's just, um, and actually, this carries through the um, all the games in the in the third game, especially. There's a moment like that, and it's just, even though she's more experienced by that point, I was, I think, I was just terrified for my own sake, not so much hers. Mm. It's quite remarkable the direction that they took took this game and series after all the games that come before it, and then you're, you're uh, probably twenty minutes less than half an hour into this game, and something mm. like that can happen. It's like, jeez, mm. they really yeah. just took it and went uh, crazy with it, didn't they? Mm. It would be like, I'm trying to think of a good example, but say like a big confident, oh, 
a movie star. Like, so you think of your your bravest action hero, who's the most you know, he's fearless and all this sort of stuff. Taking him back mm. to when he was twenty and put in that same situation, and just seeing how terrified and useless he is in that in that time. Like thinking yeah. of John McClane or something. I don't know. Uh, and it's basically like that. They're just sort of show, saying, "Oh, look at this is you know how Lara Croft how she's so tough and graceful and everything. You might remember her." Well, here's her getting impaled on a spike and getting hung upside down <laughs> to, to be sacrificed. And you're like, mm. okay, this is a different take. Yeah, yeah, mm. In, intense. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and next up, Lara uh, has to actually learn to make camp um, and go hunting for supplies. Like she's, a, she's from a very, very affluent family. So, uh, she's not used to this outdoorsy stuff. Which you'd expect her to be, but she's not. she's just an archaeologist who loves history and wants to find, uncover, uncover treasure, not for the sake of taking it, but you know just to experience it and see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so to say she's terrified is an understatement, and you really feel it. Uh, she's cold at this point. She's unsure if her friend survived. She has no idea what's go- uh, what she's doing, and she's just totally making it up as she goes. And yeah, so we're really seeing the first steps of the one that will become the Tomb Raider. But uh, at this point. Uh, I guess you can see how she became the tough person she is, but at the same time, at this point, you have no idea how she's going to survive anymore when she's, if she's this terrified. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. look, you, you know, we love story games and I think we really enjoy putting ourselves right into the character character's head. And, mm. yeah, you play play an hour or so of this game and it's so brutal and she's so... uh vulnerable and you think wow like this has been an hour like she's gonna have to really overcome all this stuff and i'm gonna have to really overcome all this stuff for her you know Mm. so it's a huge opening to this series which i'm sure Mm. only gets more brutal as it goes but i'm sure lara uh gets very very strong as the Mm. games go as well yeah exactly i think it's because this was 2013 so i was i was 19 at the time we were 19 the I don't think to this point I'd really played many games that, uh, besides uh, Angel of Darkness that had a, a female lead and even then she wasn't really strong. She was just like an empty character really. Uh, but mm. in this one, I, I remember just thinking um, and, you know, we're much further along now but thinking like, wow, I'm actually really enjoying playing as a female character and now that's – I think we don't even notice that anymore because nah. you know, the, the writing's so well done and it's not objectifying anymore. Uh, but – Back then, I was just, and especially in finishing the the third game uh, last year, I was just like, "Wow, this she's actually one of my favorite characters that I've played as, and uh, just for this character arc she's been through." Um, because if, if there's yeah, anything to take great. from the game, it's just her evolution. Yeah, it's it's just uh, really fantastic in that sense. Mm. Um, and yeah, so through this the opening act of this first game, the writings are pretty much perfect and so well performed by Camilla Luddington, who plays. Uh, motion provides motion capture and uh, voice for Lara throughout the um, the trilogy because mm-hmm. like everything's a misstep every hit and near miss is felt in your bones as this ambitious young explorer is you know dumped in this ridiculous situation like from her staggering she's got a trembling voice when she dodges even um, uh, throughout the entire game when you hit click X to dodge she almost falls over it's like her falling over but getting up quickly it's not actually like graceful in any way uh, and it's yeah you just get that feel of she's just not she's not made for this 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and these campsite reflections. So this first campsite we set up, we get real good, uh, really uh, good insight into into her mindset and reflections throughout the game. So this is sort of as you get to campsites throughout the game. And um, but early on, we we know she misses the guidance of her father, who was a famed archaeologist as well. And so that seems like he was actually a bit of a cowboy, in the same sense that she might become. Yeah. But it's um, but it's clear she does this for him. Like I think Yamatai is one of the one of the places he wanted to discover but never could because he died, uh, you know, young, mid fifties or something like that. And so she yep. wants to honor his name. And it's yeah, it's just very human and innocent of her. Just a good way to sort of work in her personal life in this uh, yeah, in this out of control situation. Um, yeah, it's a good setup. It's a good setup mm. for the character and for the um, the region you're playing in. I think. It's uh, yeah, it lays a really good foundation for that game and and the trilogy. Yeah, it it is, and, and we we shortly after, you know, even just the moment of killing her first scavenger is a massive moment in the game. Like mm. she's just totally shocked and terrified. You sort of just do it thinking, oh look, we've you know someone's killed someone, but then when she her reaction from it, you go, oh wait, of course we've done this in games before, but she's never done this in her life. Yeah, and you just yeah. go, oh, it's really it's a really nice touch that they put in there, and um. And yeah, eventually, as Lara scraps and struggles throughout this island, she uh, eventually finds the crash ship. Crashed ship. She's reunited with the crew, but only to discover that her uh, best friend Sam Samantha Nishimura hasn't returned yet. Which sort of kicks off the next part of the story, but we won't go too far into it. It's more more about the characters she meets along the way. Yes, indeed. Well, good stuff. Halfway, let's hear a little ad break and then we'll come back with the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Hi guys, Luke here. And this week on the Rumble Pack Travelcast, we join you today from the beautiful, stunning surrounds of this luxury hot spring in the sunbathed Greek islands. We've been brought here by Unravel Travel and we... Wait a minute, hot spring? This is a bloody volcano. Just a two-hour drive from the nearest fuel station, this luxury resort warms the cockles of your heart, just like the Sunshine Coast in Queensland or the paradise of Bora Bora. Uh, anyway, it isn't just the scenery we're here for, is it, Luke? That's right, Bill. We're here to find the sacred tomb of Pyrophagus, the fire king of ancient myth. It is said that it is here that he drew his final breath, where he was laid to rest with a hoard of gold, silver, and... Wait, you think there's a tomb? In there? Oh, I know it, Bill. And how do you suppose he was laid to rest in there? I'm glad you asked. According to legend, his loyal followers carried his remains into this volcano in a marble sarcophagus, with baskets full of riches, sacrificing themselves to escort Pyrophagus into the afterlife. And you reckon the jewels remain intact, do you? Every question needs an answer, Bill, and here on the Rumble Pack Travelcast, that's what we do. So, without further delay, I'm going to... Oh! Oh, ah, that's hot. Uh, uh, head on in, Bill, and see if you can find that treasure. What? Make sure you at home stick around to see the amazing Bill uncover the most legendary of treasure troves in the name of adventure. I'm not going in there. <laughs> Have no fear. <clears throat> Here, take this. With it, you can survive anything. Where'd you get that? What do you mean? Why do you have a gun? We're looking for treasure and promoting this as a holiday destination. Yeah, but treasure hunting means shooting. Since when? Uh, Indiana Jones, Lara Croft, Nathan Drake? Seriously, this is no game, mate. 
Put the damn gun. Oi! Who is that? Oh no. That's hell treasure! What? It's it's our enemies! Our enemies? Did you bring the whip? Whip? What whip? The Rumble Pack Podcast is not affiliated with the Rumble Pack Travelcast and does not condone travel or guns in these unprecedented times. Welcome back, everyone. Let's hear about some of Lara's crewmates, shall we? We shall. So there's only there's just a few of them, and they just they provide little sort of plot triggers and things like that throughout the game, but none of them are a huge deal. And only one of them actually appears in any of the future games. And that oh. is Jonah. Jonah, okay. my, my, my Ava. A bit like Rocky, Rocky Marvia. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, which is <laughs> the, the Rock's. That one, <laughs> <laughs> which is the Rock's <laughs> ring name when he debuted everyone, for those who don't know. Uh, oh, for some reason, I was just thinking of Rocky Balboa. Like, you said Marvia, and I was like, yeah, Rocky Marvia. And I was in my <laughs> mind, I was thinking Rocky Balboa. <laughs> oh, God. I don't uh, know why. Uh, it, isn't, it isn't Sunday morning by any chance, is it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it made me think of the name. I, I put Rocky Balboa's face to Rocky Marvia. <laughs> oh, God. Nice. Uh, so Jonah Maeva in this game is is a big Samoan teddy bear, and he's the sort of the chef and the fisherman of the crew. So he's not uh, actually he's interested in Lara's batshit crazy ideas of all these mystical artifacts and everything. But he's more he's more just that sort of nice, pleasant non archaeology escape from from um, mm. what's going on. So he's always, he's just so big. He's like. He's just a massive teddy bear. He's so comforting to be around. And he's the only character, yeah, like I said, other than Lara, that actually appears in all, all three games. So, even though in this game he doesn't actually appear very prominently. Mm, I love those guys, those kind of characters in games where mm. every time you revisit them, you just feel safe again. Yeah. Oh, they, they always feel so good. I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, but I, I can't. But they, mm. they, it's, always, it's the best. Yeah. And he's a peace and lover the, as the, well. The bigger, the better too. If they're like yeah. massive lards, then it's like, well, that's perfect because, you know, they're like yeah. there's more there's more of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the more of Jonah the better. And he's uh he's very anti violence and everything like that. So he's just a just a perfect escape. Which we yeah, we don't experience fully here. Uh we get a bit of a taste, but in later games we get just more and he's just such a lovely man. So lovely boy. Mm. And uh, we also have Conrad Roth, who's the captain of the Endurance. And he's a bit of a mentor to Lara because I think he was good mates with Lara's old man. Uh, so, mm-hmm. um, he actually, actually um, he sacrifices himself for Lara um, when he intervenes as Lara getting attacked by all these scavengers. Oh, mm. Conrad. At least yeah. it wasn't Jonah. At least, luckily. And um, Although Jonah probably wouldn't have had to sacrifice himself. He would have been able to withstand anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just bang. Just the big <laughs> papu papu style. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it would have taken a serious jump on his head to get him down. Uh, oh, yeah. So, we also have Alex Alex Weiss, who's the uh, sort of the IT nerdy guy, just the technical systems. We have Joslyn Ryers, who's the mechanic. Angus Grimgrimaldi. Who's an old bloke? I can't actually remember his 
function. But he's nice. He's cool. <laughs> and then we also have Dr. Mm. James Whitman, who's the the archaeologist who's leading this expedition. He's the famous guy and he's uh he's sus to say the least. He's a bit of a cowardly sort of sort of bloke who plays a bit of a serious trigger uh plot point uh later in the later in the game that uh very much brings his character into question. But anyway, okay. that's the sort of the crew and they just sort of come in and out as Lara's almost her, her guidance in this very early development of her of her um tomb raiding days. Hmm. Nice. Um so next up we also have Sam, her friend Sam, Samantha Nishimura, known as Sam, who I mentioned and straight away the search is actually on for Sam. As soon as Lara gets back, she realizes she has to go find her. And we actually we meet Sam in the opening scenes of the game via and also via walkie-talkie throughout the game while she's missing. And she's essentially actually a, a royal bloodline. She's of a royal bloodline linked to Yamatai. Uh, so, you know, like a she, she's said to be a descendant of Himiko. She's heard throughout her, you know, her family history that might be where she's from. And uh that's why she's on the expedition. Uh and she's actually just a really sweet uh, best friend for Lara. And she's she and though she's actually filming the expedition as well. So she's like a documentary documentary oh, maker. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Uh, in a typical way, she's sort of uh, very outspoken about the the direction of it and trying to, you know, get all the cool stuff going on because she's very bubbly and eager, uh, like Lara. But and it's 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 clear why Lara loves her. She just has spirit and determination beyond her years, and I think it sort of, you know, makes her feel like she's doing the right thing. And you know, this expedition is a fun and exciting experience, uh, although. It, yeah, it swings pretty early, as we discussed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and though Sam, Lara actually manages to find Sam uh, quite early on, uh, but she's actually with a man named Matthias who uh, claims to be a fellow survivor of the shipwreck, which uh, made me think, hmm, did, did they not know everyone who was on this ship? So Lara's basically steered this ship that's full of all, all these other people who are probably like maybe it's a freighter or something. <laughs> that wasn't they weren't just there for the expedition and Matthias is like yeah I was part of the crew and Lara so goes oh was he like wouldn't you <laughs> think she'd know all the crew before she decided to crash the thing into the island did she <laughs> okay. not understand I don't know that was a bit of a strange <laughs> plot point for me but um, right. but yeah shortly after actually because she meets them at a camp at night um, Lara actually passes out and when she wakes up Sam and Matthias are gone and kicking off basically the mission for the game, which is to find Sam twice. Yeah. Okay. Actually, three times, including the one she just time she just had to find her. Then <laughs> I feel like all these kind of games always have a uh, a videographer, don't they? There's always like a character that's filming or something. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's like those games. There's those random games that make you realize that your view over the character is actually like some robot that's filming them. Yeah. You ever yeah. seen those? those? Those games are really cool. So maybe- Super Mario 64. Yeah. Yeah. Lakitu with the camera in the sky. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. And that's you. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I wish Sam was just- Maybe Sam was just like, I don't know, floating behind her with a drone. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe drones are the way forward for video game perspectives. Yeah. Could be. Although you still have to have someone controlling it. It's like, well, you still have to make another character. Sentient yeah. drones. Sentient drones, yes. Ideal, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, What's we need a character in, uh, for the giant. Uh, Jack in Gears of War. Is it Jack? Mm. That that Jack, robot? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Something like that. Mm. He's cool. He's a cool dude. Uh, yeah. So this sort of this introduced Matthias into the story and he's he's basically the second protagonist, uh, antagonist. And the the main antagonist being a very, very large power that comes into later in the game. But Matthias is posed as this innocent character, elderly man who wants to help Lara and Sam survive, but he's suspicious as hell. And uh, and he turns out to be the leader of these the island's inhabitant, inhabitants, this Solari Brotherhood I mentioned earlier, who uh, they actually want to reincarnate Himiko, the Sun Queen, and uh, want to use Sam's body as her vessel. Uh, only... <laughs> The only the only catch being that Sam's body would actually be incinerated in the process. Oh, you lovely! Know, it's one of those. It's one of those. If we light, you know, if we light her on fire, then that should make the process happen. Without yeah, thinking, and they're if like, it doesn't happen. She's going to burn. <laughs> and they're like loading her mind into the into the other body somehow through the fire. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so her- so Sam would get to live her own life out in a some bone. In a grave somewhere <laughs> for the rest of her life. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Matthias, he serves as this secondary villain under this looming threat of Himiko now that we know that she's actually someone that might come into action later. And he's a, he's a pretty good um, character. Like, he's a priest-like character. So he, he And he throws wave after wave at Lara uh, in the name of this rebirth of Himiko, uh, killing Conrad Roth, as I, as I mentioned, who dies protecting... Lara, but he's just this sort of oh, he's just he's just dodgy as hell, and he's he's committed numerous murders and sacrifices of other stranded travelers uh, who end up on the island just to appease Himiko and to try to find this uh, try to find this vessel for her because they because uh, oh, and I'll discuss why shortly, but it's quite yeah, he's just a very un- unnerving character based on how calm and priestly he is in that mm-hmm. sort of way like you know he'll be all about the all about the greater good but then sacrifice people and yeah okay. yeah that, that sort of cl- sort of a cliche though it's, it's fairly cliche yeah. but yeah but it's just an evil method mm-hmm. and so yeah just and just quickly on the solari brotherhood they're actually it's, it's like the thanos uh method yeah it is of like trying to be trying to be righteous but sacrificing half of the universe for it you know yeah you could say that he's uh <laughs> he's a thanos of a small island as opposed to an entire universe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean could you imagine doing all that see and that's something we never thought of in this in avengers endgame thanos, oh even infinity war thanos snaps his fingers destroys half the universe imagine all of these villains out there like rachel ghoul and matthias who are killing all these people to tr- cleanse the earth and then Thanos just does it in half a second anyway. Just does it for him. Yeah. And and Rachel Ghoul and Matthias will probably um destroyed in this in the snap as well. Well, Thanos does uh Thanos does say that fine, I'll do it myself. He does let the other villains have a crack before he stands up to be fair. <laughs> True. If they weren't watching <laughs> if they weren't watching their TVs, this their uh, universal broadcast at the time, they're idiots. It's their own fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the Solari Brotherhood, uh, led by four cliche um, Russian brothers, 
Vladimir, Nikolai, Dimitri, and Boris. <laughs> Boris being the, <laughs> Boris. the fourth, the fourth cause oh. by the sounds of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's a pretty so, – so the Solari Brotherhood, they sort of uh, provide the – they're the main – I guess the main opposition throughout this game, uh, which is all about, you know, there's – uh, front on combat as Lara sort of starts to sort uh, uh, what are they called making makes her weapons crafts her weapons uh, throughout the game you know bows and which are for stealth and she has knives so she does a lot of stealth in this game but it's it's very much a struggle and um, she's because she's quite slight so she, you have to time the you know takedowns at the right um, correctly um, mm-hmm. so it's a yeah it's just a really brutal struggle against them because they're they're very devout to their their faith in Matthias, and Lara is just yeah one young girl trying to take on you know essentially a, a small army of just crazed lunatics really who who, who mm. do want to get off the island as well. But I think it's actually Matthias's um, ambitions to he's more to get himself off, um, get himself off the island than it is to help everyone. So it's they're sort of they're misled. And they're just making the most of their own little uh, entrapment on the island, uh, which is very much a, I suppose, it's almost a, a little society that they've got going. Um, so they're sort of cool, but just very, very cliche in that sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that's just uh, for the final character I want to talk about in this first game is actually Himiko and more so the presence of Himiko for what she does for the for the rest of the game. Uh so right when things are losing a bit of a lure with the Solari, it's becoming a bit boring. Uh, things go to the next level uh, as the raving and ranting prophecy of uh, Matthias starts to come into fruition, where he's you know wanting Hamiko to come back to life. Uh, so as Lara actually gets to the top of a mountain and puts out a, an SOS signal to any aircraft to come and save them, a, a plane actually does come through and picks up the signal and comes to find her. But a storm strikes down the plane, which came out of nowhere because it was clear skies. And this mm. uh, Japanese voice just booms um, in the storm saying, no one leaves, but in Japanese with the subtitles. So, <laughs> it's uh, very spooky suddenly. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, the game just takes a really mystical turn um, in the latter stages as even Oni, which are basically uh, demon samurais, come into play, suggesting the reference to... Uh, Hamiko as a threat, you know, might be true. We've obviously heard her voice, but now we're starting to see some supernatural uh, powers come into play, which is a bit of a, which is a, like a good and a bad turn in terms of the 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 realism we've experienced in the story up to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so Himiko is just this very omnipotent threat throughout the game, um, which is a key feature in each of the each of the games. Um, sort of that come into the second half of each, and um, she's sort of yeah the first hint of mythology in the series. And I I, I did enjoy the mystery though of uh, they didn't just straight up have like someone with all these superpowers come in or you know a literal god in in the flesh sort of rock up. But I don't know the thought it's of in- an ancient. It's interesting to me that they even had like that it became so mythical. Um, uh, like I. I just assume that the villain would be some sort of like, uh, you know, ravager or whatever. Mm. Like mm. I, I thought there would just be like it would be very tribal, which it obviously is. But um, 
yeah, the fact that there's some sort of mythical god controlling the weather and all that, that's uh, that's very cool. I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, I, it's sort of that implied mi- implied magic rather than direct magic that we sort of came to love in, you know, Game, in Th- Game of Thrones, for example, early on. We're not mm. sure if it's there, but everyone sort of, even in the world that they exist in, still sort of thinks like, oh, do you reckon it exists? Which sort of keeps yeah. up that mystery for the viewer or the player. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think I just think Himiko's presence uh, keeps the Japanese culture firmly rooted in this story, which is you know Lara's initial reason for going out is to try to find Yamatai and find out about the Japanese culture that was there or the island specific culture and all that sort of thing. So sort mm-hmm. of keeps it going in that in that way. Um, and it's just yeah, it just keeps the game it keeps the game quite dark. Um, because it's just sort of about these beings or powers or treasures that just because you know they're there and you can delve into it doesn't mean you should mess with them, which are, which I think is a good trope of a lot of, uh, you know, even um, Indiana Jones, for example, Raiders of the Lost Ark. We saw what happened to the uh, the Nazis who messed with that. They all got uh, vaporized <laughs> as soon as they opened <laughs> this treasure. So, yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it just makes the... It makes the danger danger in this game feel unknown and all the more intense. And yeah, and everyone please excuse the uh, the dogs going bananas in the background. <laughs> I don't know what's going on out there. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it just just to close out the story of this first game, um, it, it is very much just all about you know Lara's uh, formative years. But it's, it goes, it does become cliche as uh, Lara sort of goes to this. Um, this peak and finds the finds a Matthias doing the doing the sacrifice. Or you know, got she's got sand, he's got sand there all tied down to um, do the ritual, and then she basically just saves the day. And she actually she does uh, kill Matthias for and uh, using dual wielded pistols, which is the first time they appear because they're they're a very iconic part. Oh of yeah, Lara's, of course. You know, late nineties, early two thousands version. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, she That's just fun. destroys. Yeah, it is cool. And she destroys Himeko's uh, remains, and the storm disappears, and everybody who survived can um, escape. They get picked up by a cargo ship, and off they go. So that's the first one. Lovely. But by the end, by, by the end of it, Lara has very much found a, a significant amount of resolve. And although I did want to touch because mm-hmm. I did allude to it earlier, when she does uh, uh, save Sam the first, the second time. She she does actually take him back to the, she does take her back to the beach where all the survivors are and they want to get off the island, but then uh, Doctor Whitman has actually betrayed them and told the Solari Brotherhood where they are, <laughs> so they literally come and get Sam and take her straight back again. <laughs> so that's that's sort of where he comes into it. Uh, but yeah, that'll be really, such a that'll be such a punch in the face in the. In the story, like when you're playing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, ah, it is. It, it, and it wasn't frustrating from memory, but it was, uh, yeah, it was just a classic, classic soppy doctor type character who just can't handle the pressure and just wants to look after himself and get himself off the island as soon as he can. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and sorry, and I did, it was meant to mention that. The Matthias's overall intention in in this game is actually to he realized because he's been there for thirty years that Hamiko stops anyone escaping the island. So his whole whole point is to try to 
bring Hamiko into her body form because that's what she's keeping people on the island for so that they can help her get back to a, you know physical form and then he mm. thinks okay now that now that she's done that she'll let me off the island so that's his whole motivation there so yeah it, yeah so it is it is quite interesting good villains uh great great uh great start to and and very mature adventure for oh development cycle for Lara Croft yeah and should say as well that and and I'm sure the next two look even better but it's a very visually stunning game Mm. Uh, even this one for 20 becoming in 2013 i remember playing it and telling people when i when i played the uh, minimal hours that i did that this game looks really good like Mm. it looks fantastic that that was on pc but like yeah 2013 games even though it was the start of the uh previous gen we just finished still looked a bit rocky when they wanted to be Hmm. Um, but yeah, the Tomb Raider 2013 is a great looking game. Yeah, well, it had the three the Xbox 360's fan going off its head. It nearly launched into space. The speed that yeah. fan was going to keep the thing cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. noisiest console it's ever been. Talk about Nintendo yes. 64 being a machine. 360 was a machine. Is that thing bloody? That, that was just the loudest thing ever. It was as loud as a bloody car. Yeah, it was the original <laughs> version anyway. Because you mm. you always keep your first edition of your consoles, so you had the the the, the OG three sixty to the very end. So not yeah. surprised it was going mental. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just to just to start the and this, the the next two games will be a bit more shorter on overall context for Lara, but um, but very much just sort of show her. Uh, her growth as we go um, mm. so Rise of the Tomb Raider came out in 2015 and it's just this good quote that sort of captures Lara's attitude and enthusiasm that wasn't actually blunted by the events of the first game mm. um, so she says uh, she says what makes someone reach beyond the boundaries of human experience to face the unknown as children we question the world around us we learn we accept and gradually we lose our capacity for wonder but some do not the explorers, the seekers of truth. It is these pioneers who define the future of mankind. And you're just like, wow, that's that's true. She's just she's just out there just to she just wants to learn and find out what, what awesome things are out there just for the sake of learning and, mm. and and all that sort of thing. So I think she she keeps herself very well grounded in that sense. Yeah. Despite despite her having two guns, you know, she didn't let the two guns go to her. <laughs> it gives uh it gives an easy reason as well. To, uh, to make it seem not ridiculous that she might put herself in such danger again. It's like, mm. oh, well, she's just, she just loves exploring. She's just so, she just loves it. Mm. Yeah, imagine imagine <laughs> being on the next next time she was on a ship and you're just being next to her. She's like, oh, do you want to go into the cloud? Do you want to, do you want to go over <laughs> yeah. there? Like, no, like, <gasps> we're going to the cloud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... The second game is all about the search for the lost city of Kitez. So again, she's more after she goes more after uh, locations than uh, I guess specific treasures. Although it does turn into the search for a divine source, which is a sort of a a bit of a yeah power orb, a bit like the um, Tesseract style thing. Not that level yep. of power, but you know. Um, yeah, and yeah. 
Yeah, and so and so it takes. We go to so, Siberia and Syria very early in the game. Syria, which is more of a just a a really fun tomb, almost Egyptian style uh, tomb, which is really really fun and contrasts nicely to this early Siberian sequence and then the later game in Siberia, which is a gorgeous world again. Like it looks simply incredible. It's all mm. snow and frozen, and uh, it's just a, a dangerous as anything as everyone knows. Snow hides a lot of dangers. And a lot of uh, uh, yeah. creepy, creepy caves to fall into. Just walking across the, <laughs> uh, walking through the snow. So, yeah, true. Um, so for Lara's Lara's journey in this game, it's more about her her relationship with her dead father as much as anything, and sort of how she's guided by, yeah, wanting to follow in his footsteps and the lessons that he, understanding the lessons he taught her. Now that she has this more. This, I guess, a sort of a, a want to serve the greater good as much as just finding cool places. So it's a sort of her understanding where she sits in that, and because he alludes a lot to this uh, organization called Trinity, who I'll like, touch on a bit later, who are pretty much after all these mythical uh, sources of power and everything for their own, you know, cleansing. Basically, everything's about cleansing populations now. It's a in stories, <laughs> basically, just what it is. Let's face it. Yeah. Uh, but she's, I guess she's probably in this game a bit more morally ambiguous because she begins to kill a bit more freely because uh, I guess we're trained at it by now. Uh, but uh, she's such a such a great hero here still because, uh, yeah, she's not so much trying to learn or experience it. She's more, lear- she's more trying to understand if the thing she's doing for the sake of protecting history is the right or wrong thing. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the puzzle solving... Uh, even better this time, excuse me, better this time around as timing and coordination in quick succession is really crucial to your success as a player. Uh, yeah, okay. But, but the one thing is that the combat probably doesn't improve much. So when you're using weapons and things, it's a very loose over-the-shoulder shooting, you know, very loose reticle. Reticle, it doesn't really feel super tight. It's more about, I guess, the first game was probably more pushing you towards stealth and cunning rather than all that action whereas this is a bit more yeah probably action so which is which yeah, is okay. uh, it's not a weakness but more i guess it's more reflects uh, lara's confidence where she's like almost initiating some of these big sequences rather than simply reacting and struggling for her life mm. the whole time it's a bit it's a bit of a different feel but just yeah. comes with lara's lara's renewed confidence or newfound confidence and understanding of the situation she's in uh, yeah, but besides crafting, there's more crafting. So you know, use bombs. But uh, but uh, yeah, I can confirm though that uh, stealth comes back in the third game with an absolute vengeance. It was so cool, but I'll touch <laughs> on that soon. <laughs> and it's probably a um a good reflection of the fact that Lara did overcome what she did in overcome in the first game, and now going into something like this again, she probably feels a lot more. Uh, confident in herself mm. and her abilities to get out of situations. So the fact that she's uh, putting herself into firefights like that instead of being more stealthy, she's probably very, she's probably maybe a bit too overconfident in her in herself because she she already did something so mega. That makes mm. sense. So um, mm. probably reflects the character in that way. Yeah, and I think this is a real real sweet spot for interest in her in her development here as well. In that in that way, because she's not. 
she's not the total rookie. She's not the full full of supreme confidence, but she's that weird muddle in between mm. where where emotionally she's probably more uh, volatile as well. Because um, like I said, yep. she's trying to remember her father and her father died and she was super close with him. So everything's just like, am I doing the right thing? She's double guessing herself and uh, a lot of internal monologues at these you know, campsites and things as well. Yep. Uh, but I guess, uh, yeah, so every kill is a struggle. Like combat, combat's probably harder just because it's a bit clunkier, but she still scrambles around the battlefield. She doesn't look like a trained fighter by any means. She holds weapons quite loosely or, you know, not full of confidence, but she still she still carries an arsenal and a half, of course. Yeah. Uh, but they're all <laughs> but they're all crafted weapons and they look they look really cool and edgy. Like she's just doing what she needs to do to survive rather than actively seeking to, you know, kill people. Yeah. Um but stealth as well, like it's uh, when you do kill someone, it's like it's the same sort of thing as the first game. It's all about her leverage and timing rather than just being an, like an assassin. So it's really yeah, you just have to like if someone has a helmet on, there's no way in hell she'll be able to get around, you know, hit them over the head or anything. Like she can't hit mm. them hard enough. But and even when you do hit people, if you have an object, you hit them. Like she really follows through and like nearly stumbles and falls over every time you do it because she just has yeah, she's just uh, she's just not built for it. <laughs> it's, it's just mm. the short short way of saying it. But yeah, and yeah. so so yeah, this is this is perhaps the darkest part of uh, Survivor series as um. <laughs> she's just sort of turning into who we know she will become but it's just a bit of a struggle so yeah 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 nice and uh yeah so jonah's back more in this game he's he's the only uh friend that she actually has throughout this game it's really cool uh well jonah a- would never abandon you no exactly and not I that i know <laughs> no i think early on in the game he actually says um uh, Lara or Jonah actually say like, "Oh, the others didn't want to come," and that's that's how they deal with no one else being there. <laughs> that's basically what <laughs> okay. And uh, and he's like, uh, "Okay, so they chose the chef. She must need she must need to cook. Need someone yeah. to cook for." Her. Well, I mean, it would have been traumatic in the last game, I suppose. Lara's just very young and uh, excitable. I guess she she wants to keep going, and Jonah's mm. just too nice. She he won't abandon you. I really hope that you when you talk about uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, surely. You don't come out and say Jonah turns into a mythical god and tries to kill Lara because I'll be very sad. No, nah, just a goo monster. Oh, even better. Yeah. Well, imagine imagine if he was in Resident Evil. He would literally I become didn't. like I, could, I wouldn't be able to hurt him. <laughs> I didn't know Capcom took over the franchise. <laughs> Thank God that don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Jonah's just a really nice reference point. Again, he is more hands-on and always you know you get separated plenty and always on walkie talkies and he just has a really comforting voice too like he'll be like lara where are you and she's like oh she's like i'm stuck in a ravine i can't i can't do it oh and he's just like <laughs> keep pushing we'll get we'll get there and he's like oh the, yes Jana, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine uh, it'll be fine i closed my eyes then and i it was like i was really there it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that that's i'm very well spoken yeah um and um yeah so and otherwise in this game it it's it's for some reason and i mentioned this to you earlier this game was maybe the the best in the series but i i actually can like without referring to 
you know, reading through the plot and seeing what happened. I can't recall like any of it. <laughs> Besides, like I remember all these. The, I remember what it looked like and felt like and all this, but the actual plot points, for some reason, they just they just they just left me. It's really bizarre. Yeah, okay, <laughs> because there is um there are the remnants in this, and they're the I think they're almost the folk similar to Solari Brotherhood. They're almost like the scavengers who live out in this really far uh, far fetched place in um or far flung place in Siberia. But they're like the almost like the natives. So you actually can, I think, encounter some and you know, they have stores and things like that, little settlements you can go to, I believe. Um mm-hmm. but they just sort of act as a almost like a bit of an ally to Lara. Even I think at first they're total savages towards her though. Uh but but we do encounter Trinity and that they basically just become I think this is where it cheapens a bit those with Trinity with Trinity. Like even the name's pretty lame. But Trinity's basically just this, uh, yeah, this militia group who are just bent on finding treasures. You know, mm. they've always got the always got the, the assault rifles and the the helicopters ready and waiting all the time, and it just sort of just sort of takes you to the cheaper side of action movies in mm. in that sense. Trinity sounds like a. Um outside organization that has lots of money or something that's like very yeah. cliche yeah it is it's very cliche yeah. and uh but there's there is anna anna and constantine are two characters who are their brother and sister and anna was she's actually after the treasure uh, uh this divine source for a motive i can't quite recall but she she's actually lara's father's former lover right and so she's on this very personal journey as well for wanting to do it for Richard Croft, who's Lara's father, had to see his father. And they're almost, it's, it's almost like a bit of a clash over who knows him, sort of knew him better <laughs> in, in a way. It's sort of like this, it's this, it's this sort of funny relationship. Like Lara doesn't really like her, but, uh, and they both want to stop Trinity, but Anna is doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, okay. So it gets nice and nice and complex there. Um and mm-hmm. Constantine's just the the dumb muscle brother who's just sort of there as well. <laughs> uh, but we do um uh we do by the end of the game uh get to uh the lost city of Kitez, which is this really cool uh almost it's in like a cavern. Um it's it's almost like a you might not have seen it, this place called Cappadocia in near Turkey, which is like a in this massive underground cavern, it's this city that's carved out of like all the rocks underneath it. It's really cool and bizarre. Yeah, okay. But it, it's similar to that. But the, um, yeah, it's just all about you know, Trinity coming in with all the helicopters to try to find this source and Anna tries to um, take it herself and, you know, Anna wants to prove herself right. She wants to redeem herself for all the bad that she's done. And uh, there's an army of uh, army of like deathless folks that come as well, which is uh, mm. pretty intense. So you know we've got the undead that rock up towards the end of this game, um, and all that sort of thing. But it's uh, yeah, it's sort of a Anna, Anna's uh, point as a, an antagonist is it's more interesting than Matthias uh, um, in the previous game because she just she actually at the end of the day just really wants to do the right thing, right, uh, and make amends. For everything and the ups, the, you know, the grief that she's called caused Lara, but it's uh, you know, she naturally just I think it just all goes to 
I'm pretty sure she uh, she might just uh, die with the, um, you know, with the what's it called? The uh, divine source. But she's trying to protect, <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, but there is it's clear this. It's clear this game left quite the mark on you. <laughs> it's it's a shame, really, because it actually was a great plot. And I'm just, it's like a, <laughs> it's like a big dust particle in my brain. Um, but then, and there are some great cabinet characters in the remnants, um, like uh, their leader Jacob, who's a really a sort of altruistic leader who helps Lara as much as he can. So there's just real, there's honestly is really great um, characters and villains in this in this game. Trinity does cheapen it a little bit, but it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just good. And I think the dark setting, like the the ice cold setting, really doubles down on that feeling of the first game where you just she just feels cold and alone and you're just like oh just does it's not really conducive to a, a good time yeah i just uh so. i looked up kappa cappadocia on google and yeah. uh yeah pretty cool yeah. so i can yeah. imagine now and guess where i learned from that about that and assassin's creed revelations <laughs> oh <laughs> shut up about assassin's creed <laughs> god yeah i wish wait till we actually start getting through those Ooh, we've got three we've got like bloody five years of episodes <laughs> yeah. just on assassin's creed can't wait yep <laughs> so look if anyone any any assassin's creed fans out there because i know some, a lot of people are critical a lot of people love it if you love assassin's creed bear with us because those episodes i'm gonna go off like a frog in a sock so just <laughs> be keen uh <laughs> so this brings us to the final uh final entry in the survivor series uh, and this uh, it's a pretty good it does Survivor Series some good justice I think mm-hmm. better than the right. better than, has Survivor Series been this year yet speaking of wrestling just quickly mm, no I don't think so well my point is I think it could almost guarantee to be a better better Survivor Series than what they'll deliver this year just, just saying <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> and just going on form uh, but <laughs> This is uh, uh, so Shadow of the Tomb Raider and came out in 2018, and I just played this last year because strangely, after all the hype of the first game, games two and three, and you might feel the same. Will is like they both came out mm. and just they were just there. Like the first one yep. was the most hyped game ever. Two and three just came out. That was it. They just all of a sudden they were out. Yeah. Well, was it was it this game or uh, that was exclusive to Xbox for a year as well? Or was it Rise of the been, Tomb Raider? It was Rise of the Tomb Raider. One of them was. And like even that as well. It's like because we had the Xbox One. Like we we weren't playing on the PS4 really. And even then we didn't – I don't remember seeing much uh, much about that exclusive game on the on the front dashboard or in the store of the Xbox. Like mm. you never even hear about these games, which is probably part of the reason that it never really comes up in our friend circle and mm. also part of the reason why it was surprising when you told me that you – playing the third one and you've already played the other two. And I was like, all right, good on yeah. you. But mm. yeah, I forgot about these games the minute they were announced. Uh, sad yeah. to say. I know. It is, it is, it's a bit of a Titanfall like shame in that sense that you mm. just go, why, why did they just let this disappear so much? Well, and, nothing's uh, as big it, as a shame as the Titanfall thing, but yeah. No, no, no. Totally different level. I'm sorry to even compare the heartbreak yeah. of that <laughs> heartache. How so, <laughs> so Shadow of the Tomb Raider. 
is the it's the first journey of Lara's where she's probably more focused on stopping the terror rather than exploring or seeking a treasure. So this is mm. all about stopping Trinity from finding this other divine source, basically that she's she's tracked them to Central and South America. So yeah, this is just a full blown uh, this is full blown Tomb Raider, and uh, and it's a visual treat. There is still some vulnerabilities there, but they. Uh, but she, they've definitely laid the foundations of making Lara from this point onwards just a tenfold better character than they ever could have, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, or even in the movies. Mm. Uh, so, we, so, so like, explain the name Shadow of the Tomb Raider because, like, mm. when I look at these names, it's like Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and then Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Uh, I don't know when you without playing them with Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I would expect that she's a shadow of her former self or something. You know, she, she, she. Uh, you'd think in Rise of the Tomb Raider she hit the highs, and then in Shadow of the Tomb Raider she's a bit older and she's lost it or something. But that's hmm. probably not correct. No, well, it's interesting because when I was playing this game, I was trying to find that connection as well uh, mm. because because Rise. Rise is fitting because she is coming, you know, coming up through the through a ranks of a of her own sort of development, I suppose, and mm-hmm. it makes sense. Uh, although it should be that that game could have as easily been called Shadow and made more sense. I think, um, right? I don't know. I think Rise of the Tomb Raider could have almost been the name of this game in the sense that she's now at the Tomb Raider level, but. I don't know about the shadow thing. It's honestly, it, it, it didn't make much sense to me. So I, I can't. Act, <laughs> and I was, I was thinking when I was, you know, preparing for this episode. I thought, you know, there would be a clear trait there, and I could look it up, but that would take away from my actual just pure reaction. And yeah, and uh, there's a very there's a loud combi going on outside, by the way. Um, so between the dogs and the combi. Please just accept them for who they are. They will, uh, <laughs> they will disappear at some point. Uh, disappear in a nice way. Sorry, they'll stop. They'll stop making noise. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that sounds so evil. Oh my! Uh, Shadow of the Luke, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, so the first, yeah. So anyway, I, to answer your question, I can't answer your question on the show. Yeah, good. They're cool names, at least. I'll give them that. Mm, I do, I do Sound like cool. it. I do like the the lead in subtitle rather than the straight up subtitle. Yeah, ex- exactly what I was about to say. It's it's much mm. cooler actually. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. And so we start off in Mexico, uh, oh, Cozumel in Mexico, in Mexico, which is like its own little has its own little town and stuff where you can get supplies from and all sorts of things. Just a really cool um, area where I think uh, Lara just sort of first tracks down Trinity's. Uh, movements, um, but mm. this is only just a small portion of the game because we actually uh, almost well after an hour or two in Mexico we head to Peru, which is the uh, which is a really awesome uh, location. It's beautiful and and the best thing about Mexico being having Aztec uh, heritage and Peru having Mayan heritage. There's so much creepy and fascinating. Uh, and I guess mystical uh, culture, uh, history, and culture there. Because mm. um, for me personally, the history and culture of the uh, native South American tribes is just 
and Central America is really creepy. And yeah, I just I think it's a lot of it's not written down. It's all in these engravings, and it was only a few hundred years ago that they actually existed, and they were almost like they could exist like ten thousand years ago. I just find it. <laughs> I just find it really, uh, in in the same sense of this series, a bit like sort of edgy and unknown and just lots of, I don't know, terror, even in all the contraptions that they, the old technology and contraptions that they, you know, mm. had in place, um, which make for great puzzles in this game, by the way. And it, yeah, it just captures the imagination a lot, I think, the location here. Yeah, cool. Um, but, but it's all a jungle setting. So, we've gone from snow to the jungle. So, this game has something unique to offer there as well compared to other games like it is it is beautiful i i think i took a lot of screenshots and might have sent it to you i just stood in the one spot a lot of time just spun the camera around just mm. to look at how the you know how the sun was coming through the the green forestry how it was reflecting off the mud like the mud the mud which is actually plays a an important um uh gameplay um mechanic in this yeah. in this game and all the vines and just like all these like you know we have like all these tombs which are loaded with death like death traps and everything and like even underwater tombs which are full of piranhas you know really <laughs> like they really go all in it's it's, it's a like beautiful game i do remember copying um a bunch of screenshots from you while you played this game and yeah that it did look very nice mm. very nice yeah i think particularly yeah. the lighting was what made it so good i think a lot of the a lot of the lighting off cliffs and between trees and things, I remember, looked really, really stunning. Yeah. Mm. yeah, well, and it's worth noting as well that Tomb Raider, the, the first one, 2013, came out the back end of the 360 yep. um, age, whereas the Shadow of the Tomb Raider came out almost at the back end of the Xbox One or a year or two before, but it was very much pushing it. To, they were all pushing the consoles to limit. Rise of the Tomb Raider, uh, you know, that sat in sort of a sweet spot of maturity for the console, but... In Xbox One, but just yeah, great, great games. They really, they really, Crystal Dynamics really put um, a lot of attention to detail in this. Paid a lot of attention to detail in these games that obviously isn't appreciated by as many as I, I wish they, that they wish it was. No, and one thing I, I I would like them to do is release the three as a trilogy on the on the next gen systems with a bit of a resolution bump and to for 4k and all that mm. i think that would be that would give me a good reason to to jump into them would and more it? people hopefully although they would probably there would probably be zero fanfare so we probably wouldn't even know uh would i play it potentially i maybe honestly mm. maybe yeah mm. I, I could see myself playing it that way rather than going back to 2013 yeah in its like most primitive form i'd yeah. rather play like a yeah just a, a bumped up version mm. yeah Oh, it would look great on 4K because it's a minimal minimal HUD game too because it's all, you know, a lot of, not cutscenes but uh, set pieces and things like that. So, it's all about making mm-hmm. it like really cinematic. Just high, yeah, yep. high octane. As much as this is about feeling, you know, about the dark side, so, uh, Lara's development personally and the, the darkness that sort of, you know, she's dealing with, I suppose. It's really like action movie. Like it's, it's in, it is intense. It's a really, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a sort of fine balance they cut, but they they, they do get it right. Nice. Uh, uh, so, like the uh, like the rise of the Tomb Raider, which I'm not sure I touched on, but there, she does have a lot of flashbacks here uh, in this game, uh, Lara. So, in this one though, we actually go back to 
when she was about, uh, I think, an eight or ten-year-old girl back at Croft Manor, and her dad is, mm-hmm. set, and she has this. You have to solve puzzles in her playground because she's got like a, you know, like a a, a ship uh, des- designed playground. So she's got like all these sort of different contraptions on it that she has to use to do certain things that just obviously just entertained her as a kid that her dad designed. Um, and then we also have to break into the manor because she can't get in and we go into like the all these uh, <clears throat> displays and museum rooms that, rooms that her dad had and we actually have to like, there's full-on puzzles in there. One took me for ages to sort out like, you know, like her dad's left her a series of clues that she actually has to work out the answers to by looking for certain pieces of art, looking for certain details in the art and then, yeah, it's like a, a full-on sequence of um, uh, riddle solving. It was really mm. cool. Um, and I guess that sort of that was maybe the one thing missing was an because we have we obviously know her history after this series, or you know what the what she's like as a full and mature Tomb Raider. But mm. we hadn't to this point uh, seen what she was like as a kid, and sort of what really what really got her fascination for archaeology and exploring going. <clears throat> yep. Excuse me. So. Uh, yeah, but stealth, like I said, makes a huge comeback here, which I think <clears throat> captures Lara's really real clinical approach to uh, combat here now that she's mastered it a bit more. And the the best mechanic, like I alluded to, <clears throat> excuse me, alluded to earlier, uh, was the in the mud pits that are uh, present throughout the game. They just they come up at random times and. It sort of does look a bit unnatural because you go, oh, mud pit. Oh, okay, I know what I have to do here. And what you do is you is Lara uses the mud to cover her body and then she can blend into muddy walls. Uh, oh, and, nice. And, and duck down into like, you know, things of reeds a bit better. So yeah, that's cool. It is cool because we get all these vines <laughs> and, you know, like walls of vines and forestation. It's like dense forest. And... um. And yeah, Lara just covers herself in mud and then just sucks up to the wall and villains just walk straight past her. All you can see is her eyes. It's really cool. <laughs> That's like, epic. Yeah, it's um stealth stealth is bigger than than uh, all that action in this game. And it's just uh really satisfying. Because mm. there's even there's even one sequence where um we're trying to get past a like a search party of uh, Trinity soldiers, and you know that like there's one up on a ledge. Uh, there's a mud pit there for you. It's at night. They've got torches, and it's sort of like a long area. It's not like an open area. It's sort of like a long, longer linear sort of spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much to play with, and I I did it like twenty times. I could have done it quicker in one go, but I wanted to actually methodically uh, pick them apart with this sort of newfound. I guess uh, ability that she had to actually to fight people and this new confidence she had because there's even water sequences where you can swim under the water and hide underwater and then pop up next to jetties and pull people off jetties like it goes she goes full on fighter here and it's it's yeah, really nice. cool but <laughs> it, it actually but it makes sense now that she's developed into this if it was in an earlier game we would have just said that's totally unrealistic she that's just not who she is but now that she is um, it just it's just great mix, mixed with this jungle uh, environment. Cool. 
Yeah, sick. Yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, I really, I really want to go back and play it now for that, those stealth sections because <laughs> it's just uh, re- it's really really fun. Well, um, the Xbox is about to come out. The Xbox. Yeah, your Xbox. Oh, my Xbox. Yeah, I was like, are they releasing a new model already? No, yeah. no. Your Xbox is about to come out of the come out of the darkness. It is. I've got the box. Yeah. It's in the box over behind me, ready to go. For, mm. Ready to go for the move. It's one of the last things <laughs> I've got here for the move. So nice. I'm just trying to find a table currently to get all that I can display all of my consoles on. Have them all out at once. Yeah, awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, so. Well, I know we're all concerned about where Jonah is at this point. <laughs> and I can confirm Jonah just stays as Jonah this whole game. Nothing. He doesn't turn into a goo monster. He yep. he does get injured. He, uh, I think actually Lara, there's this point early in the game where Lara actually gets like a, a, a tapeworm or, or a, a, some sort of a worm in her arm or something. And Jonah actually, um, or Jonah does. But this whole there's this whole sequence about finding all the stuff to kill the... To kill the uh, what's it called, the worm and pull it out. It's always really right. cool. Just nice moment between them because they've just crash landed. They've actually yep. yeah. They <laughs> speak about high action. They're actually in an airplane, and they just flat out just crash down into this uh, onto this mountain and survive. <laughs> yeah. So right. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Um, and Jonah, we didn't need that yeah, plane anyway. Hey, we didn't need that plane anyway. It's fine. No. Nah. Yeah. Exactly. I want to walk. Uh, so Jonah, yeah Jonah's just really good throughout this game he he sort of he doesn't come along for all the missions but he's always there on the walkie talkie you know when you go to new areas because it's a it's a much bigger map it's worth mentioning you know there's like a a town you go to which is like a like a, a Portuguese Spanish town uh, and the you know you have to go search the library there and he ta- he plays an active part in searching for the clues and going down into this sort of puzzle room with you and trying to it gives you hints but not too much which is good because you hate you hate when you're right about to solve just about to solve a puzzle someone shouts out the hint yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> actually the worst thing <laughs> like you know let me press l3 if i want the hint okay yeah. don't tell me yeah exactly <laughs> and, and uh yeah he just plays a really really active part in this game it's really comforting to have him but Especially when you get to um, this city or village of Paititi, which is, again is a mythical city that Lara had heard about and she's trying to find throughout the early stages when we finally get there. Uh, it's just like basically almost like a 200 euro, uh, uh, a society that hasn't been touched basically yet. Mm. Except that Trinity has somehow immersed themselves into the culture there and become uh, like a ruling power. Yeah. No. Not Trinity. Yeah. yeah. I haven't even so, played these games and I'm annoyed about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> we go to the... Well, and it's... PyTT is really... It's really cool uh, because it's just this... Yeah, this um, Mayan society that's still living that nobody knows about because it's being protected. And uh, you meet their, their queen, Unaratu, who's actually a rebel now because... Trinity assumed control, right? Uh, and their le- their leader, Doctor uh, Doctor Pedro Dominguez, has become like this. He's 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 actually a, an interesting villain. I'll touch on shortly, but he um he sort of 
impose himself as like this reincarnation of this Amaru or something who's like this uh, mythical leader from mythology, uh, mythical from mythology, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) so, uh, yeah, so Unaratu being the queen is your ally now and you're trying to help her get Trinity out of Peru basically. So there's this whole village of rebels and she has a young son, Etzel, who is uh, the heir apparent. Uh, He's just a kid, but, you know, he's sort of, Waiting in the wings, which you know, when there's an heir that's been pushed into being popular mm. in the story, that he's likely going to have to take power at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Unarato <laughs> is a really, a really nice, nice, sweet sort of motherly character, but a fearsome fighter, a bit like Lara. So they they work really well together. They're a really nice a- a addition. And yeah, um, nice. And, th- and there's also Uchu, who's almost like her milit- her yeah, her chief advisor. So just this really cool. Uh, dynamic there between the hist- yeah, history and culture of Peru versus the this uh, modern threat of Trinity, which Lara in a way is also a cause of because Trinity are as much trying to stop Lara by this point uh, as they yeah, are going right. their own thing. So she's sort of, her being there is a, a trouble, uh, an issue as well. They're but, like their own Batman and Joker. Yeah, they are. <laughs> exactly. So... Yeah, so Trinity have integrated themselves into Paititi and assumed control, known and they've named themselves the cult of Kulkulkan. So, which must be some cultural thing that everyone makes everyone fear them a lot. Might even be something to do with Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> what do you reckon would be worse, being ruled by Trinity or Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> Trinity. imagine just rocking up could you imagine playing a game you know you hear all this talk about this king this this fearsome ruler and you go up to him and it's just mo-capped Macaulay Culkin man we should make that happen (laughs) (laughs) we actually should (laughs) do you reckon you'd come along for the the piss take (laughs) oh surely he's got time yeah I think so (laughs) sorry (laughs) Um, yeah, so uh, Amaru, who's this he, Pedro Dominguez, who Lara's trying really hard to get to because um, Trinity's actually got a very tight hold over everything and and I think even even the Paititi warriors have sided with them thinking he's this legendary rule, uh, you know, leader and all this sort of thing. But he's actually... Uh, Dominguez is actually a, uh, not a bad person. He's the leader of Trinity, but he's actually, uh, yeah, it's a classic case again of good intentions, bad motive, or oh, bad method. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's um, yeah, not not too bad. He's all right. And we also have this bloke called Rourke. Of course, he's just his name's just Rourke, and he's the leader of the the actual armed forces. Classic Rourke. Rourke. <laughs> but there is. One more, as a uh, one more uh, plot to this sort of layer of characters here, which is mm-hmm. of course because we haven't we haven't been attacked yet by mythical creatures, <laughs> but they're coming. Uh, so as you can tell, the, the, these games follow a, a bit of a formula. Um, you just know when, when it's coming. So there's yep. this there's this one villain type right that comes into it. This this uh, mystical thing. And the introduction to them is nothing short of terrifying. 
even though it's right. all suspense, sort of no bang, a bit paranormal activity style. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're in this you're in this sort of dark area, waiting to pick your way through these trinity for trinity forces, and all of a sudden there's these terror like blood curdling screams and like snarls from like the forest around you. Right. Which you can't go into, but yeah, you can see it all. Obviously, there's just invisible walls. But like in this whole part, right? Like oh, these soldiers, are like, oh my god, they're coming! Ah, oh, they're coming! And oh my god, where are they? And they're like walking around the this sort of combat area. You know, their torches are shining everywhere because they're searching aggressively for this stuff. They're totally on edge, and you think they're talking about you first, but then you hear these like screams, and you're like, oh my god, what is that? <laughs> anyway, I sat there for about ten minutes, just really scared to move uh, because I thought these things are going to attack me but nothing Mm -hmm. happened so again it was just a suspense thing but they're basically these like cannibal mindless uh, savage people who like run on all fours wear these massive headgears that's like you know like tribal chief but with you know not just feathers just I don't know barbs and everything and these Mm. massive like gnarled teeth with like no lips and all this sort right. of stuff. And yeah. they just, uh, there's this sequence as you sort of start going through all these ruins and everything that they're, they're protecting because they're actually there to protect this divine source that, uh, that um, Trinity's after. And once, they, once they're unlocked, they're just out of control, like berserk style things and they're just really yeah, creepy. Okay. And they're led by this, uh, this, again, a mythical leader named Crimson Fire, which is basically this uh, female one with no no lips again, just teeth and all painted red and white. And when she comes out, it's just, it's terrifying. <laughs> like it's this, whole, <laughs> it's this whole fear of the unknown thing that again comes into it through them mm. tapping into the myth and lore of the, of the land, I guess, that the game set. So really interesting, but quite predictable again. That's right. Sort of, you know, you can tell that these are, action movie structured even if they're a bit deeper in terms of the protagonist's uh, development. Mm-hmm. Sounds yeah. cool. Those yeah, villains. It, it, yeah, it, it is cool. It, this The game is probably the more cliched of the lot. If it didn't look so damn good and have great environmental, I guess, uh, dynamic with the gameplay, it probably wouldn't be... Uh, I probably wouldn't... Uh, remember it as well as it did. But I remember finishing it and thinking it was a solid 9 out of 10. I think they all are, yeah, to be well. honest. Yeah. Well, so. it's a high, high ranking. Mm. Oh, great. Yeah. I, I just thought they were quality. There's no, there no weakness, really. Uh, I didn't find a fault. It was just that, you know, not groundbreaking by the third game, I suppose. Mm. But yeah. uh, by the end of this game, just to finish on Shadow of the Tomb Raider, it's uh, very similar to previous games and the... Uh, Final battle is just all about someone who Dominguez trying to become a god and Dominguez is actually, it's a good boss battle by the end. You have to sneak around and try to surprise him and all that sort of thing and fight off his guys. So yeah, it's just a (laughs) classic. It's just, it's just the very much the same as the other games trying to reach, trying to become a god basically. So yeah, that's the three, that's the three games. Well done. I am tomb raided out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just think like just just to sort of wrap up my thoughts of the, the trilogy, like I said, it's edgy as hell. 
it's a really welcome refresh fresh for this for what's well, a relatively stale character and boring and just had no depth to her besides sex appeal at that point, which was really sad. Um, she Lara Croft is one of the strongest leads in any game series I've played, like comfortably and probably a top five mm-hmm. without having them preset in my head. The gameplay is great. Every action, you know, every action weighs on Lara's body and mind. Um, probably less so as you progress, but because she she does just become a pretty solid badass, but with still great personal depth. Um, yep. Strong stories, strong stories with good villains. Um, nothing fantastic. I think the the settings, the mythical settings, are easily the highlight for me. Um, that sort of make the villains a bit better in terms of the context and how they fit in, but. Um, yeah, it's just true tomb raiding with excellent puzzle solving. And so yeah, it was a real delight to play. I think the, I think the puzzle solving part of this game, uh, which is hard to talk about when we're focusing on character, but it really plays up to, I think, what Lara's existence is all about as an archaeologist and explorer. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's, I think the mature approach to these games would definitely separate it from. Um, the games like Uncharted and you know everyone's know and love of uh, Indiana Jones, for example. So, I think it's yep. just a great a great trilogy. Survivor series, uh, thirteen to eighteen. Fantastic. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, um, it's been nice to hear about it. You've you've spoken very well. Uh, why don't we do a couple of burning questions? So, how important is the portrayal of Lara uh, in these games for women in video games, uh, considering the number of female leads that we've had since, uh, like Aloy or uh, Ali and Abby, uh, for for two examples? You know, how important was this was this game, 2013 game and beyond, for the pushing of more women lead in in video games and making it more of a normality? Yeah, I think that it definitely made it a normality and almost a something that we don't actually have to we don't think about as something that isn't normal or uh, like I said when I when I played twenty thirteen I thought oh well it's it's really cool to play as a female character and by the time I played the second and third games I it didn't bat an eye about thinking look, looking at her as a female character besides thinking how she has changed not only my attitude but I hope she's changed a lot of gamers' attitudes. Uh, because yeah. and it's more for me it was more it's more about a role playing thing so if I want to immerse myself in a character I do see myself like you know say if we're playing an RPG where we can design a character I wouldn't play as a female just because I'm not one so therefore I want it to be as close mm-hmm. closer related to me as possible yeah. but I think in in this sense when we're uh, having a character built up or um yeah built up even more um where her where the, the defining feature of her character is not that she's a female, but just that she's a great character. Uh, mm. I think it just, um, I think it probably, yeah, propelled the gaming industry to just have more female characters. And like I said, not just for the sake of having a female character, but just to say, you know, if you want to do it, just do it. Um, yeah. It's just uh, 2013. And in saying that, like 2013 was definitely a, it was a focus that she was a female character being made normal and not just a visual treat or, you know, she actually has depth to her. 
Uh, and but yeah, like yeah. But since then, in the eight years since, it's just I think it's just played a huge part in normalising that. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. Like, I can't exactly speak on uh, Lara's character through all the games, but um, I I enjoy the fact that women are more celebrated in games in general, and that we can just pick up a new game uh, with a female lead and enjoy just as much. Like, I know even in the PS5 showcase, we just saw there was a bunch of games where the lead character was a female, and that didn't uh, have any that didn't change my mind on the game at all hmm. compared to like if it, if it had been a, a male. So um, I think something like this has definitely helped that uh, those thoughts over the years, even if I haven't played it. So yeah, hmm. I think it's a great great thing. Yeah, and uh, uh, had something else I was going to say. Will I even? I can't remember. Well, why don't you go with your burning question then? Okay. So, we have two incredible archaeologist adventures in games, right? So, we have Lara Croft and Nathan Drake of Uncharted fame. So, who who do you think have made... No, sorry. They've, they've made significant impacts to the video game industry. But considering their contributions to the industry, if you had to pick one to keep going and one to retire... As in, you know, never make a game of them about them again. Who would you choose and why? <laughs> it's a hard one for me because I've never played and finished a game from either <laughs> from either series. So I don't. Uh, it, it's but a bit of we, a hard one. But if, so if we, but if we look at say Uncharted being the more critically acclaimed series as such, you know, everyone loves the series for what it is. But Lara Croft being such a significant character for the reasons we've just discussed, what do you think would be like almost like a healthier inclusion in the industry going forward if you had to mm. dis, you know, exclude well, the other. Well, I think I think the the correct choice would be Tomb Raider and Lara Croft because uh, the legacy there is so much more than Uncharted, uh, I think. And I think uh, what we just said about her being important for women in video games is something that will would continue to be important uh, forever. So I think there's much more reason for that to continue. Plus, with Uncharted, I think Uncharted, you know, through the PS3 era, uh, and somewhat would still be, but it was like a sort of one of the pillars of PlayStation. One of the main, you know, yeah. Drake was one of the main characters, and I don't know. Uh, Uncharted Four came out in maybe 2016 or something like that, and. There hasn't been a game with him since and I don't think PlayStation needs to lean on that series anymore to be successful because some of their other series uh, and new ones like Spider-Man, Horizon have, have come up and potentially actually surpassed it. So, I think for PlayStation's sake, they don't necessarily, they probably don't need Nathan Drake and then I think for the gaming world, Tomb Raider and Lara Croft is something that should be preserved a lot more for various reasons. So, yeah, mm. pro- probably I'd say Lara Croft and Tomb Raider for sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. But I didn't want to come at that as an angle. I don't like coming up with questions that are, you know, with a, a an answer that seemed to be predetermined based on what we've spoken about in, in the episode because I just think, because I think right, if anyone who stands up for Uncharted in that sense is certainly has the right to and There'd be mm. some great points in terms of uh, what it's done in terms of uh, making, you know, in a respectful way, bring Indiana Jones into the modern times, uh, you know, making just pure fun gameplay all about set pieces, ridiculous stuff. I remember seeing 
footage from Uncharted 2 from the PS3 back in the day. And that was the the hype and love that everyone had for that game at the time was so big that mm. I, I would never want to take that away from people. But yeah, I just think purely because of the evolution of Lara Croft in Survivor Series, I think it's just a great sign of how they're yeah how the 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 times have evolved uh, like it's a great statement in itself the series i think yeah to be fair i'd say that uncharted's roots were somewhat uh influenced by early tomb raider games That's and then true. i would say that the more recent tomb raider games would be definitely influenced by the uncharted series so they yeah, definitely yeah. would have leaned heavily off each other anyway mm. um but i think as a character who is more important uh, to keep around? Lara would make the more uh, much more sense. Yep, agreed. Yeah, so that's it. Tomb Raider is done, uh, and I think it's a good time to say that we are going to have a little bit of a break uh, from the main episodes of the podcast as well, uh, because Luke's about to move house. Mm. So it's not that we want to; it's just a. Things were going to get very clunky working remotely and fair away from each other uh, in the transition period. So, it's, uh, but we're not leaving you empty-handed. No, there'll be a few bonus episodes going up over the next few weeks. Uh, just some, yeah, I don't know, just whatever we feel like talking about here and there. Um, I'm not sure what day to expect those, but it'll just be whatever day through the week in the next two or three weeks. And then we'll be back with uh, episode 24, which is about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, oh, I can't wait. So, we'll, we'll be back with that in a few weeks. We'll miss mm-hmm. everyone. We'll miss each other. Yeah, what the hell? Didn't think about that. But hopefully, the time uh, by the time we get back in a few weeks, uh, we might be able to record in person uh, finally and that would be fantastic. It would be good. How about we get a working permit? It's, this is volunteer yeah. work. We should we should be allowed. <laughs> yeah. Well, if Game Informer would just include us in, on the books, uh, you know, it would make yeah we'd be able to. <laughs> Between Nintendo and Game Informer, we've given them plenty. Please help us out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, and as always, go to our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook at Real Rumble Pack. Um, interact with us if you like. Tell us if you played Tomb Raider. Tell us if you miss us. Tell us if you don't want us to come back. And tell your friends and family, all lovers of gaming, to please uh, chuck us a like and chuck us a listen because um, we think we have something to you know offer them. We hope that they can get some, something out of listening to us uh, crap on about uh, all the nonsense in our heads. So we appreciate you for <laughs> listening to that nonsense too. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy the few bonuses that go up and we'll be back in a few weeks. Adios. Bye.